Well, good morning. It's good to see everyone. I'm Pastor Allen, and we're in a series. I mean, we talk about a certain topic or subject, in this case, a person in the Bible for several weeks, and this is week three that we're talking about this guy named David. Today's title is The Abigail Way. If you know your Bible pretty well, that'll make sense to you. If not, we'll, we'll explain it to you. But we've been looking at David, and David started off, off strong. He killed Goliath at 15, became a hero. His, his reputation grew after that. <clears throat> but then by the time he was 22, the king was trying to kill him, and he was on the run, and he did something really stupid, as we talked about last week, and it ended up with the death of hundreds of people, 85 priests and their family. And um, so he's on a downward spiral, we would say. The problem is once you're on a downward spiral, where do you go? You continually spiral down. And so today's story, which isn't one of those most those most famous stories in the Old Testament, is critical because this is the story where David stops his spiral. And you know who he has to thank for it? A woman. And guys, can we all agree that a woman has stopped us from doing dumb things somewhere along the line? I see some nodding heads. All right. So that's the case today. But we're going to start with something that's pretty familiar. It's called the golden rule. Maybe you didn't even know this in the Bible. This is Jesus taught this in Matthew 7. Do to others what you would like them to do to you. And this is a principle I use often in my life. I think about, well, you know, if I was in that person's place, what would I like this person, me, to do? And it works in most scenarios, not every scenario, but it works in most, most scenarios. The problem is when we are mistreated by that other. When they've hurt us, they've harmed us, they've abused us, and they've something something unkind to us. Then we tend to want to operate under a different rule. I just call it a different rule. <laughs> Do to others as others have done to you. You're going to hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. Especially if you hurt my spouse, for example, my loved one, uh, my kids. Then I'm going, to, I'm going to, you know, you deserve to be treated the same way. And uh, not the way I would like to be treated, but you need to be treated the way you've treated me. And so we often fall into that. It feels natural, feels normal. Um, feels right, and it even gets worse. When that person has hurt us, it's something we can't get, we can't get back at. For example, uh, you get fired unjustly. Can you get back at that boss? Probably not. Um, sometimes a, a parent has treated us unjustly, and now they're dead. You, you can't, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. Um, so what happens then? Well, what we do is we transfer, don't we? And so you go home and kick the dog or yell at your wife or whatever it might be, right? And they're wondering, well, the wife is, I don't know about the dog, <laughs> probably the dog too. Uh, what did I do to deserve this? Well, they didn't. You're just transferring that I got to get even. Now, here's the problem with getting even, and maybe you never thought about this before. The problem with getting even is it makes you even with someone you don't even like, right? You, you come down to their level. That's normally the way we say it. So why would you want to come down to their level? But again, it seems so natural. It seems so right. It's kind of Old Testament, eye for an eye type deal. So we're going to look at a story about David. It's very detailed. And instead of telling you the story, we're going to read it. So there's going to be a lot of verses on the screen. It's so detailed, you can just visualize what's going on. And it's amazing to me. This is a story from 3,000 years ago. We have all this detail. So here we go. It's in 1 Samuel 25. 
Now there was a wealthy man who owned property near the town of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats and it was a sheep shearing time. Now it's hard for us to translate that, but when I, in my study I, I discovered this guy is super rich. All right, that's all you need to know. He's super rich. His name was Nabal and his wife was Abigail. And we get a short description of this couple. She was sensible. We're going to see, man, she is just wise beyond her years, whatever her years are. And a beautiful woman. We're going to find out that's probably figure, figures into the story. But Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, back to Joshua and Caleb and going into the promised land. He was crude and mean. And not just some of the time. All the time. In all his dealings. So we got this couple. Nabal and Abigail. <clears throat> now, gonna be third character is obviously going to be David. So David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So that was the time when this guy collected his wealth for the year. All right, so this is payday. This is, you know, when you get your uh, uh, income from the year. So th this is the, the, his wealthiest time. And of course, we're going to see they, they celebrate. He's celebrating his, his household celebrating. So David sends tens of, ten of his men with a message for Nabal. Peace and prosperity to you, your family, and everything you own. Just a normal, general greeting. Then he said, I'm told it's sheep shearing time. While your shepherds stayed among us near Carmel, we never harmed them, and nothing was ever stolen from them. And we're going to find that there's 600 of these. David had 600 men. And they would have had to have resources. And even though they could have taken something from this guy, they didn't. In fact, they did more than that. Ask your own men. They will tell you this true. So you will be kind to us. Since we have come at a time of celebration, please share any provisions you might have on our hand with us and with your friend David. So, you know, God's prosperity. You've got all kinds of surplus. Um, it's a time of celebration for you. Part of that celebration would be nice if we'd celebrate by sharing with us. He gave the message to Nabal and gave it in David's name. And we're not there on their, their own. They're there in David's name. And they waited for a reply. So what's Nabal going to say? We, we found out what his character is like. So he can imagine what he's going to say. Who is this fellow David? Now, everybody in the, everywhere knew David. He's the most famous person. So he knew who he was. Uh... Who does this son of Jesse think he is? He even knows his father. There are lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. So, he used to be, you know, he's the son-in-law of the king. He used to be in the palace, but now he's just running away. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I've slaughtered for my shears and give it to a band of outlaws who've come from who knows where? So that's his response to this request for generosity from David to this prosperous man. So it brings up a principle that, that I've really found helpful in my life in recent years. And it's not original with me and I've shared it here before. Uh, we'll get there in a second. The next slide. So David's young men returned and said, get your swords. This is David's response, right? So you're going to be unkind. I've been nice to you. You're not going to be nice to me. So I'm going to be what? Not nice to you. Right? So strap on our swords, he replied. He took 400 men, started off with David, and 200 remained behind. So I guess it's 600 men. So here's the principle. Hurt people hurt people. 
And when somebody's hurting you, the natural reaction is to think, well, I've done something, and I don't deserve this, and I'm going to respond by hurting you. But I've come to learn that when somebody's often not, it's, it, it's transference, um, they're hurting, maybe because of me, maybe not because of me, it doesn't really matter. They're hurting, and so the best response to hurting, if somebody's hurt their wrist, the best response is not to make it worse, right? The best response is to help bandage it. So hurt people hurt people, so our response should be to help, not to hurt. Now there's a basic principle here, also this. Self-control and patience are like muscles. And that's why we don't continually have self-control. Whether it's diet and exercise, or breaking some habit, or you know, doing good stuff, reading your Bible every day, eventually the muscles wear out. And the self-control or the patience goes away. It, it gets worn out. So we need times of where we don't have to have self-control, where we don't need to have patience, where we can, our muscles can rest, if that makes sense. So David's muscles are completely worn out at this point. He's been running from the king, he's been running from the Philistines, and he's just at his wits end, emotional, emotionally drained, we might say. So, okay. So David's headed with his, his soldiers uh, to attack Nabal and his family. One of his Nabal's servants went to Abigail. We're going to find out he's not reasonable, so he talked to the wife, right? David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he screamed insults at them. These men have been very good to us, and we never suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen from us the whole time we were with us. In fact, day and night, they didn't just not treat, treat them uh, poorly or harm them. They protected us and our sheep. You need to know this and figure out what to do. There's going to be trouble for our master and his whole family, meaning this servant also, He's going to wipe us all out. He, our master, is so ill-tempered that no one can even talk to him. So I'm coming talking to you. All right, and we talked. This, this lady is, is sharp. She's wise. And so what does she do? Wasted no time. Quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, wineskins full of wine, five sheep that have been slaughtered, bushel of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, 200 fig cakes. I'm assuming this is what's required to feed 600 men. Uh, uh, maybe others. <clears throat> she gets on her donkey and says to her servant, go on ahead, I'll follow you shortly. But she didn't tell her husband, Nabal. Not always a good practice, but in this case probably was. As she was riding her donkey into the mountain ravine, she saw David and his men coming toward her. So David's probably in the mountains, Nabal's uh, uh, household's in the valley. David's coming down the mountain. She's going up this ravine. David and 400 other guys are headed with swords. All right? Get the picture? One lady, 400 men with swords. David had just been saying. Now, we get a glimpse into what he's thinking, pretty much what you and I would be thinking, and he actually says it out loud. A lot of good it did to help this fellow. We protected his flock in the wilderness, Nothing his own was lost or stolen, but he has repaid me evil for good, and he's going to get it, right? I'm going to get even with this guy. 
May God strike me and kill me, even if one of the men of his household is still alive tomorrow morning. Now, thankfully, this doesn't happen, okay? But, he, you know, that's the way he's talking. You know, I mean, I, I'm not stopping until they're all wiped out. I'm going to certainly get my vengeance. So when Abigail sees David, she quickly gets off her donkey and bows down before him. Now, you've got to realize, this is a very wealthy woman bowing down before an outlaw. Can you imagine? But again, she's very wise. She fell at his feet and said, I accept all the blame in this matter. Was it her fault? Absolutely not. But she's accepting blame. Please listen to what I have to say. Now, what comes next is so insightful, so wise. She's going to begin to treat David as she wants him to act, not as he's planning to act. Does that make sense? She's going to treat him as a better man than he really is. And guys, this works on us today, doesn't it? Our wives treat us as better than we are. Uh, it's kind of a silly illustration, but my wife can say to me, hey, I'd like, you're, strong, you're so strong, you could move those rocks from there over there where I, I would like to make a garden or whatever. And I'm dumb enough, if that's the right word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm strong enough. I can do that. And do it, right? So this is, it's not really manipulation. It's just wisdom, okay? So I accept all blame. Please listen. And she's going to, more than that, she's going to speak into his future. It's just so amazing. I know Nabal is wicked. She knew her husband. Gals, you know your husbands, right? Ill-tempered. Please don't pay any attention to him. He's a fool, just like his name suggests. I don't know if you should call your husband fools, but anyway. Uh, but I never ever, ever saw the young man you sent. So, you know, I'm blameless. I didn't get the message until just recently. So now I'm responding. Now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives, and you yourself live, since the Lord, no, no, notice, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hand. That's exactly what he was planning to do, right? But she's speaking into what she would like this man to do or to be. Let all your enemies and those who try to harm you be as cursed as Nabal is. You're not going to do this because your God doesn't want you to do this. This isn't what you should be doing. This isn't good to be doing. And then she said the present that I brought to your servant uh, to you and your young men. So here, here's all this food. Then please forgive me if I've offended you in any way. Now here's how she speaks into the future. The Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty. Now wait a minute, wait a minute. This is an outlaw running from his life from the king. The Lord's going to reward you with a lasting dynasty. Now we know that actually happens, comes true. She's speaking into his future. For you're fighting the Lord's battles. You've not done wrong throughout your entire life, which wasn't necessarily true. But this next part is true. Even when you were being chased by those who seek to kill you, your life is safe in the care of the Lord your God, secure in his treasure palace. And let me kind of explain that. Where do we put our treasures? Ladies, you put them in your purse. Guys, we just put them in our, in our wallets, right? We put them there because we think they're safe there. So she's saying, you, David, are as safe as our 
possess, our treasure possessions are safe in our wallets or our purse. This is a little sidelight. I don't know about the rest of you guys that are married. When I ask my wife where something is and she tells me it's in her purse, it's a little scary. And I usually look for details. That's not, that's not enough information. All right, what side, what pouch, you know, under, and sometimes I can find it, sometimes I can't. But this is amazing to me. Riding to church this morning, my wife's purse is on the back, behind the seat on the floor, and she needs something for her purse. Without even looking, she reaches in there and gets what she wants. Without eyes, she can find it. I can't find it with instructions. But we are that safe. We are that safe in God's treasure pouch or God's purse or God's wallet. And then notice what she says. Again, this lady is so sharp. The lives of your enemies will disappear like the stone shot from a sling. Where's David's mind going then? Oh, when I was 15, I trusted God with my whole life. I faced a giant with only a sling and, a, and some stones. And then, again, speaking to his future, when the Lord has done all he has promised, has made you a leader of Israel, don't let this be a blemish on your record. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. Then your conscience won't have to bear the staggering burden, that, that terminology, of a needless bloodshed and vengeance. David, you're going to be really sorry about this later. And when the Lord has done these great things for you, please remember me, your servant. She, she's saying, okay, what story do you want to, be, want to tell and what other people are going to tell about you? We've got the David and Goliath, David and Goliath story. We've got David doing some things that got all these priests killed. All right, we, there's another thing. This, this incident's going to add to a story. What side's going to be on? Is it something you're going to be proud of? Is it something you're going to feel your, your conscience is going to bother you about? And it's amazing. Again, this woman was so wise, uh, God-led. His emotional temperature just completely goes down. David replied, praise the Lord, the God of Israel who has sent you to meet me. Thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. Wow. Complete change. He accepted her presence. Return home in peace. I've heard what you had to say, which means I'm going to listen to what you had to say. We will not kill your husband, i.e. all of you. So Abigail returns home. <laughs> she finds out that Nabal was throwing a big party and was celebrating like a king. Very drunk. Maybe that's why he didn't wonder where she was. So she didn't tell him anything about her meeting with David until dawn the next day. All right. So in the morning, wife's got to tell the husband what she'd done. And he's sober. Told him all what had happened. As a result, he had a stroke. He lay paralyzed in his bed like a stone. And about 10 days later, the Lord struck him and he died. 10 days later, but he wound up the same way he would have wound up if David had killed him 10 days previous, right? Well, in this case, it's not the blood's not on David's hands, is it? Now, when David finds out, he said, Praise the Lord, he was, uh, avenged, uh, let's see, 
avenged the, who has avenged the insult I have received from Nabal and has kept me from doing it myself. So give God the credit, even though it was, you know, you, God used this lady, this woman. Nabal has received the punishment for his sin, and David sent messengers to Abigail to ask her to become his wife. Remember the beautiful thing? <laughs> I guess he noticed. <clears throat> I think it was more than just the outward beauty, though. You have to be impressed with this lady, wouldn't you? And when the message arrived at Carmel, they told Abigail, David has sent for you to take back to marry him. Of course, obviously, wealthy lady, husband just died, continues to be wealthy, wouldn't she be? She bowed low to the ground. Oh, bowed low to the ground. Responds, I, your servant, would be happy to marry David. I would even be willing to become a slave and wash the feet of his servants. Man, the, the humility of this lady. But can you imagine? She's going from being this really rich lady to being the wife of an outlaw. Now, again, she had this insight, this wisdom that realized this one day he's going to be king, and if he's king, she's what? Now, there's multiple wives, but she'd be queen, and children would be princes and princesses. So quickly settling, getting ready, and she was a woman of action, quickly. Took five of her servant girls as attendants, mounted her donkey, and went with David's messenger, and so she became his wife and lived happily ever after. Not, not really, but anyway. Um, well, you'd like to think so. So we got three characters in the story. Nabal, David been good to him. He insulted him. He returned him evil. None of us want to be Nabal, do we? I don't think so. Then we have David, evil for evil. You're going to insult me, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I don't know how even that is, but anyway. Um, natural, normal, happens all the time. But I would like to think that most of us would, don't want to be David in this scenario either, do we? I think we want to be better than that. Uh, so who's the hero in this story? Abigail. She's the one that returned good for evil. Now, Peter lived one of Jesus' disciples. Writing years later, we have to remember that the early church was persecuted. So he's writing to Christians who are being persecuted. Their lives even threatened. And he says, uh, don't repay evil for evil. Okay, we just covered that, right? Evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, Pay them back with a blessing. That is what God's called you to do. And he will grant you a blessing. And you might, I think Peter would be saying this, they killed our leader. How did they expect you to treat you? And then he quotes from David, or quotes from the psalm. If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. But where did Peter get this? Well, he got it from his master, Jesus, didn't he? You've heard the law that says an eye for an eye or whatever. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus turned everything upside down. He says... Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. So you and I are no more Christ-like than when we are doing this. So some questions to contemplate this week. 
Do I want to be even with someone I don't even like? Do I want to lower myself to their level? And if we stop and think and we get past the emotions, I don't think we're going to say yes to that question, are we? Secondly, what story do I want to tell? What story do I want others to tell about me? Do I return evil for evil? Or do I return good for evil? What do we want to have on our conscience? And thirdly, what would it look like to do that? To return good for evil? Whatever scenario you're in. If you're not a Jesus follower, I, this is great advice. It's going to help you in life. But as a Jesus follower, we have no option. Jesus instructed us, told us to do this. Now, he didn't tell us to just do it to do it. He said, this is how you will be blessed. Peter said that, by blessing others. So if you've got an ex-boss or an ex-spouse, or maybe you raised your kids and now they've turned their back on you, or maybe your parents mistreated you. I don't know what scenario. There's all kinds of scenarios. What does it look like for you to return good for evil. And sometimes we, we get in this scenario where we say, well, I'm just going to ignore it. You know, let, uh, what's that expression? Fall up, you know, rain off a duck's back, whatever. Just, le- just let it go. Uh, we're not always successful trying to do that when we say that. But no, 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 no. As a Jesus follower, we can't do that. We can't just ignore it. So here's the last slide. That's mer- just being, you know, not returning evil for evil. That's just being merciful, right? But that's not returning good. And so to return good for evil, that's grace. Giving a person what they don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what, they, what you do deserve. Grace is giving what, what you don't deserve. And that's what the gospel is. None of us deserve God's love and salvation. And God could just look at our rebellion, our sin, our wrong, and say, oh, I'll just ignore it. But he couldn't, because he loved us too much to leave us that way and to be separated from us. And so what did he do? He sent his son Jesus to die for us. You've mistreated me. I'm returning good for evil. And so those of us who are Jesus followers, celebrate that. Not only do we celebrate that, we get to share that with others. And we are set free. We're set free from seeking vengeance. So, don't just offer mercy. Offer grace. And I gave you some readings again this week. Uh, let's pray. We'll have another song and let you go. Father God, ah, uh, Abigail, and how she handled this situation, such a powerful example for us all. She was Christ-like before Christ. It's easy, natural to try and get even. But God, especially as Jesus followers, we should be, quote-unquote, better than that. Not just to ignore it, but to offer grace to return good for evil. And God, I wouldn't be up here just telling these folks they need to do this. This is your word. This is your instruction. You're telling us to do this. And I don't know some of these folks probably have really difficult circumstances where this would be really hard to do. And so God, we're praying for your strength. We're praying for your wisdom to be 
Christ-like in these difficult situations. And if you've never accepted that gift, that gospel, that free gift, where God is offering you something good for your bad, we would pray today you would say, yes, I accept it. That's amazing. Invite Jesus into your life. You'll be set free. You will be at peace. Your sins will be forgiven. And you'll have a relationship with, with God through Jesus that goes on for eternity. So we pray that, pray that prayer for you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.